if we acknowledge that we are purpose-driven, that we are passionate, that there is work to be done in the world that needs our attention, I think it's incumbent on us to say, okay, I recognize that about myself. Therefore, what am I going to do to ensure that I can show up to that in the best way possible and that my friends and my family get the best of me as well because if I'm putting everything into my work that's bound to mean that in some way another part of my life isn't getting as much attention. Hi there I'm Ben Morton and you're listening to the Ben Morton Leadership Podcast. It's the weekly show that brings you inspiring interviews with MDs, CEOs and other senior leaders, plus genuine subject matter experts, all designed to help you be the very best leader that you can possibly be. It's my gift to you every week and it's totally free. This week, it's my great pleasure to introduce you to Sarah King, who is the co-founder and CEO of Obu. Obu is a platform for women looking to raise investment and the women who'd love to invest in them. It's a platform that looks to solve a very real need as women make up just 14% of angel investors in the UK and 57% of these angels are based in London and the South East. In this episode, Sarah and I both talk about the resilience and tenacity required to build a business and work as a senior leader. We also both talk about our individual experiences of burnout or coming close to it. Sarah's was several years ago and mine has been much more recent in the past few months. But now though, and without any further delay, let me introduce you to this week's guest, Sarah King. Sarah, a very warm welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, really been looking forward to our conversation. But first of all, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, January has started at pace. And I know we're going to be kind of kicking around you know, entrepreneurship, but also that piece around tenacity and resilience. And I certainly in the last couple of weeks have been reminding myself of some of the lessons that I feel that I've learned in the last 18 months. So probably a really good time to pause and have this conversation with you. Uh, Brilliant. Well, let's get to that as soon as we can then, because I think that'll be a really rich conversation. But I guess for some context for listeners, can you start off telling us just a little bit about Obu and the personal journey that you've gone on a business journey that's got you to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So Obu is a business that I co-founded four years ago with my business partner, Claire. We exist to solve two problems in the world. So firstly, in the UK, only 2% of investment goes to women entrepreneurs. And then on the other side of that same coin, only 15% of angel investors in the UK are women. So we exist to reimagine entrepreneurship and investment. And those are the two problems that that we're focused on. And we really believe that, firstly, those two problems are linked, but that actually they exist because of systemic inequality. So we really don't believe that we should put those problems in the hands of the people experiencing them. So we often see a lot of, well, women need to be more confident or women need to learn how to pitch or women aren't even seeking investment. 
And we believe that rather than putting that problem, as I said, in their hands, we really exist to say, you know what, we'll carry the weight of that problem. And with our business, we're looking to solve it. And we're doing that by building the UK's first FCA regulated platform that will close the gender investment gap at scale. So, so that's our primary focus. In terms of how I got here, I left my corporate career nine years ago. And it was really interesting reflecting on that for this conversation, because I think throughout my career, I'd always been led by my heart in terms of roles. I wasn't someone who kind of said, in eight years time, I want to be the CMO in X type of company. I just went with, where do I feel I can have impact? Where is there a great team that I can be a part of? And sometimes I would look at that career and think, oh, it's been a bit like, there's no clear plan here. I just I just kind of follow where I can have impact. But I think now looking back on that career with, with what I'm doing now, you know, working in a financial services organization means that I now feel confident about building an FCA regulated platform. Having my own design thinking agency means I'm comfortable innovating when it comes to product and service design. So it's been really interesting kind of looking back on that journey and thinking, even though at the time it felt a bit sort of squiggly, I guess, actually now I can really see how those pieces have come together to enable me to do what we're doing now. It's really interesting that point you made there where you said it felt a bit bit squiggly. I mean, you often see sort of graphics like that on social media, right? Especially LinkedIn, like you get one where it says the path to success, where it's a nice like linear left to right diagonal line. And then you've got the squiggly one, which says reality, like I think that is the reality for, for many people. For some reason, we still think that it's this nice straight line without any kind of pitfalls or failures or wobbles along along the way. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Helen Tupper and Sarah Ellis at Amazing If and, and the Squiggly Career Podcast. I think what's interesting with work, but also with life is that in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And you can you can craft a narrative that makes sense of the squiggliness. And I think that's really, really important to do. But I think it's also really incumbent on us as leaders to not present that picture as though it was a, as you've described, this kind of straight line and look at how perfect that, that was. Because in hindsight, in hindsight, everyone can make sense of everything. I think being open and honest about the fact that life and work does take twists and turns and I think what makes you effective is being able to learn to adapt to that and roll with that and take the lessons that it will gift you and I think actually those lessons then make you richer in terms of what you're able to to offer the workplace. Yeah 100% agree and that probably leads us quite nicely into one of the other main things I wanted to ask you Sarah You've, you've touched on it beautifully there so when we chatted, I think it's pre-Christmas now to, to plan for this session, you spoke to me then about doing something that had not been done before and how it had taken you around about four years to get to, to this point in, in your solution. And then you said about how that really re- required resilience and tenacity on, on your part. So what was that that four-year journey? And then sort of What's your view about resilience and, and tenacity? How do you how do you define those things? As you said, we set out four years ago. There were some underlying principles that were really important to us for that journey. We both had had corporate careers as co-founders. We both had had entrepreneurial careers. And we really wanted to solve a large problem. 
And we wanted to do that at scale. So we knew that at some point we would probably need to go down the investment pathway, that there would probably be a technology solution somewhere in the mix, but we didn't know what that looks like. And I guess because I've got a design thinking background, that kind of testing and learning and experimentation was really important. We needed to validate some of the assumptions that we were carrying about entrepreneurship and investment. So we kind of headed down a path that very much looked like accelerators and education programs and building community. And we worked with incredible early stage entrepreneurs. And then the pandemic hit and everything we were providing had to kind of just morph. And the community that we served, what they needed from us was completely different. You know, we were all in survival mode. And so the plans we had, the detailed plans went out of the window and and we had to very heavily rely on what's our vision. Well, our vision is to reimagine entrepreneurship and investment in the UK. And to do that well, we need to serve this audience based on the need that they have now. In the background, not only trying to support them, but also ensuring that our business didn't go under and that we were still standing on the other side of the pandemic. And one of the messages that just came through really clearly through the pandemic, through media, was women's economic progress is going to be rolled back. I can remember seeing that headline and just feeling like, how can this be the case? Like, we know that women are being disproportionately impacted, and now we're being told our economic progress is going to be rolled back. Like, that's not okay. And that really sparked a bit of a fire for us in terms of saying, Like, no, that's not acceptable. Actually, we don't accept that entrepreneurship and investment for women is going to be rolled back. Actually, it's the opposite. It's time for us to push forward. We need to to start making more progress than we have previously. And that really helped us to focus in on, okay, what is it that we're building here? And I can remember the day where... I kind of phoned Claire and I was, I said, we need to go for a walk. I've had this idea. And and at that stage, we were then allowed to sit on a bench next to each other. Okay. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and kind of just kicked around what might an investment platform look like. And, you know, since then we've done a couple of investment rounds. We've changed government legislation when it comes to leveling the playing field for diverse entrepreneurs. So there's been lots of successes, but there's also been a huge number of challenges. And I think for me that tenacity and resilience piece is so important. Tenacity is, to my mind, quite outward facing. It's about the energy that you're putting out into the world. As an entrepreneur, you will describe a vision and paint a picture of the way you think the world can be better. And your role as an entrepreneur is to describe that with passion and creativity and to create connection towards it. But then the doing behind the scenes, the journey of achieving that vision, yes, there will be successes, but there will be pivots and twists and turns and there'll be stuff that you get wrong and there'll be really, really challenging periods. But tenacity is about kind of saying, okay, I get that, but I need to keep being out here. I need to, I need yeah. to get people excited about this. And then I guess I guess resilience is the kind of back end of that. It's the engine room of how as entrepreneurs or leaders we're out in the world doing that tenacious bit. Resilience is, you know, how do I look after myself? How do I nurture myself? How do I 
have the energy that when I hit those hard periods or I fall over, I'm able to stand back up again. And I think, you know, the tenacity piece is almost the kind of glamorous bit and the bit that we can often overlook is that, but how am I looking after myself? How am I fueling myself? How am I ensuring that my body and my mind and my soul are able to keep playing this role of disruptor and of leader? And I think I think that's where we need more conversation around how we do that effectively. Yeah, I, I love the way you've described that, Sarah. And it really resonates with my own sort of view and definition of, of resilience. And at the same time, I think there's a there's a danger or a perhaps a misunderstanding that exists in in some parts of the world around what resilience means. In that some people view it as just being able to push right. on and and keep going. Where I share your view, right? Actually, for me, resilience is doing all of the things to look after myself, manage my health, energy holistically, so that I can keep keep pushing on. Yeah. Which then leads me on to and to ask you about that balance between tenacity, being driven, keeping going as a as an entrepreneur, because you you've got this fire in your belly about what you do, right? And where does that potentially tip into to burnout? Yeah, I think you're so right in terms of particularly if you are purpose led, if you feel that your role in the world right now is to solve a problem that really matters and for whatever reason you care very deeply about that I think that's when you have to really look out for yourself because the danger is with that focus on that problem that you're trying to solve you become blinkered to Mm. I need to be looking after myself behind the scenes because what matters to you within your world of work is solving that and is making progress with that. And I think, like, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I always think of a business in its in its early stages as like this seedling. And as, as the founder of that business, you're kind of nurturing that and making sure it doesn't get trampled on and making sure it's got the right conditions so that it can thrive. And you're so focused on like, I'm just going to do whatever it takes so that this thing can flourish. But the fact that you're doing everything it's going to take means that you lose sight of, but I'm a key ingredient to this being successful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, taking those times for, you know, whether it's reading or being in the gym or going for a walk, whatever it might be, that can feel like an indulgence <laughs> rather yeah. than actually this is a crucial ingredient for me to be able to perform effectively. And, and certainly that's a lesson I've learned the hard way <laughs> um, in the last couple of years. Yeah. If we're talking in cliches, like a, I think a great one cliche or metaphor for, for burnout is, is a bit like a match, right? Like a match can only burn out if it's been lit or a light in, in the first place. And I think burnout is often something that, affects those who are really passionate and driven about about what they do yeah and and I think you're right I think it's like we don't want to dampen that spirit you don't want to dampen that that spark but we do have to recognize what it takes to ensure that that spark stays alight 
you know, as I said, I know I've got that wrong. And that's why we need more conversation about it. Because, you know, we need innovators, we need disruptors. And we can't just get taken in by the glamorous story of what that can look like. We've really got to recognize what it takes for those leaders and disruptors to be out there changing the world for the better. And I'm talking about, well, what do you need to be able to do that rather than just look at this incredible outcome? It's like, yeah, but what's it taking to get there? This is such a time, timely conversation. So a big big part of my work is working as a, as a performance coach. And personally for myself, I am like incredibly passionate about well-being and looking after ourselves so that we can play at our best at work and still have the energy to do stuff with our friends and family and, and loved ones. So I'm really into this stuff. I'm constantly learning and studying it. I'm constantly teaching it. But my experience over the past three or four months is that it can it can creep in on you. Even the most self-aware people, it can creep in on us. And we don't don't quite realize. Like we were just chatting off air. And it was a couple of months before Christmas. I don't normally specifically teach and train on sort of signs and symptoms of burnout but I was I stand in front of a flip chart with sort of I think eight symptoms of burnout talking through them with a group and at the same time in in my head my inner dialogue was going thinking about me tick 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 I just hadn't really hadn't really noticed it was it was gradual right and it was because my business is really exciting in the minute there's so much I want to do so many opportunities and then I found myself at home, like really struggling to stop thinking about about the business. And I pride myself on being really present when I'm at home with my wife and daughter. But I was finding like I wasn't anywhere near as as, as much as I was kidding myself that that I was. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's you know, it's like filling a jug with water. It's it only overflows once it starts overflowing. But that happens like that. And it's, and and I think to your point, it can creep up on you. I think that's why being able to talk about what are the processes or the systems that you put in place to keep that in check. Because if we acknowledge that we are purpose-driven, that we are passionate, that there is work to be done in the world that needs our attention, okay, well, if that's a given, and if I'm the type of person that's drawn to that type of work, I think it's incumbent on us to say, okay, I recognize that about myself. Therefore, what am I going to do to ensure that I can show up to that in the best way possible? And that, you know, to your point, that my friends and my family get the best of me as well. Because if I'm putting everything into my work, that's bound to mean that in some way, another part of my life isn't getting as much attention and I often describe it as a kind of a mixing deck and if you imagine the levers on a mixing deck and every one of those levers is a different element of your life and that if all of those levers were pushed up to the top to the max actually that's when you're going to burn out because I, I always try and use that that kind of visual as a okay so what's happening for me in life at the moment whether it's this day or this week or this month or this year kind of how am I moving those levers up and down and if I've had a particularly intense period in work and so that lever is maxed out how can I then kind of pull that back and enable me to then focus a bit more on my well-being or or my family and I think I think the goal is to 
try to have balance across all of those levers and notice if one of them is particularly kind of pushed out or pulled back. Yeah, and it, it, as you're talking there, it reminded me of, I think sometimes the idea of balance can can be misleading because we try and think about balance in any given moment, which I think is just unrealistic, right? I think we need to put an extended time frame on on balance. So how do I balance things over over the week or the month or or the quarter, right? Because there's going to be periods in work where it's really intense and and busy. So you might not get to the gym quite as much. You might not have quite so much time with your friends and loved ones, but over that quarter you can you can balance it out we tend to think in the in the immediate short term don't we which I don't think is that helpful no and then give ourselves a really hard time if that week we haven't got to the gym like I've been beating myself up about that this week and then just had to zoom out a bit and kind of go yeah but hang on a minute what else has been happening in life and work this week and there's only so many hours in the day therefore let's focus on the stuff where you have achieved things or made progress and and then okay so you're not feeling so great about the gym this week right what are you going to do about Mm -hmm. next week and I think it's that you know it's that zooming out but also recognizing that you know so we've just come into a new year and I think often people are like right new year's resolutions or intentions what's that going to look like well, we don't need to wait for these big markers. Like on 100%. any day, like any day, any hour, any week, we can make a decision to say, actually, I need to reevaluate this today. I, and I can do that today. It's within my gift to do that. Hey, quick one for you. I want to make sure that you know about my 10 for 10 leadership program. It's an online program that's totally free. It's bite-sized and it covers some of the most common leadership topics and challenges that I frequently get asked about. It's also a course that gets consistently great feedback. You can find out more by heading to the online courses page of my website at ben-morton.com. Yeah, and interestingly, I often find, and something I noticed probably three or four years ago, I think this time of year is one of the dangerous times for for burnout because we come back after that Christmas break. We are re-energized to a degree. We do think it's a clean slate. So new business year, new personal year, I'm going to make all of these changes. And the days are short and the days are dark. But we we hit January like a million miles an hour, right? And because if you've got kids, February half term comes around quite quickly. It can be easy to think, oh, it's a bit too soon to take time off. I don't feel I've deserved it. But then that makes it a really long stretch until Easter. And many of us end up taking our time off, synced to either a school calendar or the religious calendar where where we live. And that's a long stretch from January to to Easter without any breaks to sort of unwind and recharge. You know, tying it back to high performance, you know, yes, athletes will have competition periods that they're working towards but actually great nutrition great sleep physically looking after yourself doing the training but also having treatments it's Mm. if if you want to achieve high performance and be resilient it's about all of those things that you're doing 
throughout each month that enable you to achieve that not kind of I'm going to run at this at a thousand miles an hour and then I'm going to crash into my holiday probably get a cold yeah I'll take a week and then I'll come back a week later and hope it's all a bit better it's just like when you actually look at it for what it is it's a crazy way of working and yet our culture kind of prescribes that well that's success if you're working like that that's successful and and I've just become really fascinated about that intersection between kind of business and leadership, high performance and, and endurance around, well, actually, let's take those lessons from the world of sport and endurance and apply them to being an entrepreneur because there are similarities. So, yeah, we need to shift the way we think about this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, So the last thing I'd love to ask you about. I know you've got some personal experience of getting close to or or hitting burnout. And you said you made learned some very real lessons and made some significant changes as, as a result that not only helped you, but I believe you said made a really sort of positive impact on the, the business in terms of the business's performance. Do you mind just sharing, maybe just touching on your burnout experience, but some of the, the changes you, you made coming out the other side? Yeah, so... Probably about 18 months ago now, we'd gone through a particularly challenging period within the business, kind of, you know, and that's an understatement. It was really tough. And um, I had this sense of, particularly on the back of the pandemic, you know, things aren't feeling quite right. Like, and, and I can remember thinking to myself, I feel like I might be heading towards burnout, but there's work to be done. If we're going to get the business through this period, I need to keep showing up. Like, you know, I, I need to, I need to manage this. And within that context of trying to manage it, there was still a lot of ambiguity and, and certain things that were outside of our control, which for, for someone who's used to kind of solving problems, that then created another level of, of kind of stress and anxiety. We, we kind of got through a period where we were delivering some new contracts and the volume of work for me had been really high. And against that backdrop, I can remember coming into the office at the point at which my deliverables were, were very nearly complete and just saying to Claire, like something's wrong, like something's really wrong. My, my brain isn't working. I'm not connecting things. I'm not, I don't feel that I'm able to engage in conversations. Writing an email is taking me an hour when it should take me five minutes. Like it was as though I just hit this wall kind of physically, mentally, emotionally. I just had nothing to give. And it was really frightening. Like I can remember just feeling really fright frightened and scared about, about what was going on, even though I knew what was going on. A bit like you described, I'd looked at I'd read about burnout and was like, oh gosh, like I can tick all of those things. And a couple of months before I had signed up for an endurance event and the training plan hadn't kicked in yet, but their advice to us was spend time on your feet, like just hike, go and spend time in the outdoors. And I basically went cold turkey on work. Like it wasn't really a decision I made. It was the only thing that I could do just to sign myself off for a month. And I just walked. I went up to the Peak District. I didn't have any stimulus. I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't listen to music because I just felt like my brain couldn't cope with, with stimulus. And so I just walked and was in nature and just took some time to decompress. 
And then through that process of then disconnecting for a month and then training towards this endurance event and learning about high performance, I was able to recognize for myself and apply to myself that actually I'm training to be an endurance athlete here. And in my day-to-day work, I'm an entrepreneur and that requires high performance. And I'd never really allowed myself to to sort of label myself as that. I was just kind of, well, I was doing this thing I was really passionate about rather than labeling myself as you're someone who needs to perform very effectively. And so being able to take those lessons from the world of endurance and apply them into work, that timing was just brilliant for me. And so I think things now like ensuring I'm sleeping well, ensuring I'm thinking about nutrition, and those can feel like really woolly statements, but I just got really tactical about it. So we installed a water machine in work and we bought a fridge and we have a Sainsbury's order. And that meant that there was food in the office. So I didn't go for eight or nine hours without eating because I was just focused on work. So getting really specific about what are the hacks that I can put in place that just enable me to look after myself well. Brilliant. So not glamorous, not lofty, not big things, like really small hacks that will make a difference to how I manage myself day to day. Love that. I'm curious, when you took that month to decompress and just walked, was there a point where you noticed in yourself that you were starting to decompress? Was there a, a period where you went, actually, I can feel a difference? Yeah, I'll tell you what it was. I hadn't realized in the run-up to burnout that I'd stopped reading books. And I'm a total bookworm. I've always got my my nose in a book. I hadn't realized I'd stopped doing that. And I can remember after about, it probably took a good five or six weeks, I can remember thinking, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna pick up this book. And I noticed that I was sat reading a book and that, oh like, this is good, I'm enjoying this, rather than it feeling like more noise and more stimulus. Again, it's a really personal thing, but it just was the signifier of, okay, I'm coming out the other side of this now. And I guess what motivates me now, and, and by no means am I saying I get this right every day, like I don't, it's a practice. Like I get it right sometimes and I get it wrong sometimes, but I always try and learn. But I just think, being able to tap back into that sense of fear. I genuinely was so frightened about what what was like what was happening to me. It wasn't like I'd fallen over and broken my leg and could say, it's this. Suddenly not being able to problem solve or to be creative or to connect ideas or to describe our vision for an audience those things that I took as being innate to who I am as a person, I suddenly wasn't able to do them. And so I, like, I just didn't recognize myself. It really scared me, really scared me. And I, and so I, I don't know if this sounds perverse, but I try not to lose that sense of what that felt like because I don't want to go back there. Yeah, makes total sense. And that's what drives me to check in with myself every week to go, okay, what went well? And actually, you know, okay, you didn't go to the gym this week. Okay, not worth giving yourself a hard time, but you need to make sure you're building that back in again next week. Love it. Would you say there was a particular one change that had the the greatest impact, was most helpful? 
or was it a combination of multiple factors? I think for me it was being signed up to do that endurance event. Okay. I, I'm always really cautious of, of things that are described as life-changing, but taking part in that event, so, so I basically hiked the equivalent of Mount Everest, so 29,000 feet, 50 kilometers, had 36 hours to do it in. That type of experience causes you to come face-to-face with yourself and to recognize, actually, what are the layers of resilience that I have? Who, who am I as a person? What do I value? And because it is so exposing in that way, I just felt that I, I can't ignore the lessons that that experience has taught me. And so for me now, it's about, have I got time where I can be out in nature and I can go for really long hikes because... I know that my body can handle that, but also I know it fuels me mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And and that's good for me in work. It's good for me at home. It's good for me with my friends. And instilling that culture within our business of like, what's your thing? You know, for me, it's being out and going off and doing challenging physical activities. But what is it for you? Like, is it swimming? Is it gardening? Is it like, what is it? Like, and let's create the space that, not only is it okay for you to spend that time doing doing those things, but we positively encourage that and we want to hear about that and we want to ensure that in the working week, you're able to structure your week so that you can fit those things in. And I think for anyone leading a business or building a business, you have to be considering that, not only for yourself, but for the people that you're leading. Yeah, I'd, I'd go a step further. I think not only... We need to be considering it. I think we need to be very intentional about about, about prioritizing it. Um, maybe just to finish up, it there's a framework I often share with clients. I call it the the three p.m. audit, and nothing to do with three o'clock in the afternoon. It's because there's three p's and, and one m. Basically, think about the the people, places, pursuits, and media that you consume in your life, and then think about in those four categories what are the things that really energize you and then the flip side what are the things that that drain you and kind of be conscious about building in the energizers and trying to minimize time in or around those that drain us and to your point earlier get really tactical about doing it like my social media feeds are very deliberately filled with things that are going to energize me and and anything where it's sort of the the Debbie Downers or or whatever, I, I just get get rid of it because I just don't want to be putting that into my into my psyche, my psychology. Right. What were the three P's? So people, places, and people, places, pursuits, pursuits. Okay. And and the media that we we consume. I've totally just scribbled those down, Ben. I'm going to be using that. <laughs> cool. My pleasure. Sarah, it's been wonderful talking to you today. I've loved sort of the the openness of, of our conversation. It's certainly been helpful for me, actually, where I am right now. So I'm sure it'll be the same for other people. So thank you very much and wish you all the all the best with Obu. Thank you. It's been really good to have a chat both today, but also kind of beforehand as well. And, and the kind of prompts you shared with me was, was super helpful. So thank you for having me. That's it for this episode and a huge thank you for listening to the show and tuning in. 
at this stage, I only ask one thing of you that I promise will take no more than two or three minutes maximum. Wherever you happen to be listening, please click on the subscribe button and then leave a one sentence review. That's it. It makes all the difference and means we can continue to grow our channels and bring you even better guests in the future that you can learn from. That's it for this episode, folks. If you want to talk to me about the show, leave me some feedback or recommend a guest you'd like me to try and get hold of, then do please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. I'm on there as Ben Morton Leadership. Until then, until next time, look after yourself. Look after those who've got the privilege and responsibility to lead. And until then, lead on.